Sam Tugwell's with us. Now, he's in the City of Churches. He works for 5AA. Uh, gee, their, their talkback lines would have blown up over the last month with the Crows missing the finals in controversial circumstances and the power preparing for a spot in a prelim if they can beat the Brisbane Lions at the Gabba on Saturday night. Uh, Sam Tugwell, good morning. Uh, good morning to you guys. No, it is a very busy time in Adelaide over the last couple of weeks, let alone the Crows getting knocked out and, as you say, port building up. It's been a lot of fun here in South Australia. Are we still having uh, talk about um, Supreme Court injunctions and whatnot for the Crows missing the final, <laughs> Sam? Has that died down or not? Uh, we have to not encourage that wherever possible, so we've tried to kill that off as best as we can. <laughs> but uh, I'll tell you what, the furor was real. I can tell you that right now. There was a real, uh, a real vicious sort of sentiment towards the, the AFL house for a good week and a half. And I think after uh, the Crows season finished against West Coast uh, up over there in Perth, a couple uh, couple of days after that, eventually it started to uh, dissipate. But um, no, it was it was a pretty full on couple of weeks here. I will tell you that. Sam, uh, I suppose at the end everyone thinks, oh, we should have made finals and all that. Does, but does it take away that at the beginning of the season, where did you think the Adelaide Crows would be? Have they? Um, well, just an assessment of what they've achieved this year and the expectations that were there. Yeah, absolutely. So that's a question we've been sort of asking throughout the year as well, just sort of where Adelaide right now, because for most of the years, as you can remember, they were in the top eight uh, and they were playing sort of in the finals picture. So a lot of people sort of went, wow, this is exceeding expectation. But what if they drop out? Because we expected the back end of the year maybe to be a bit of a drop-off and subsequently it actually was. So... That hurt them a little bit, but what we had as expectations was, okay, maybe they'll finish around 10th, which is exactly pretty much where they finished, but at the same time, we probably didn't expect the level of improvement to be as much as it was. So for us in South Australia as Crows fans, to look at how far the Crows came in one year in terms of development and improvement, and the way they execute a game plan, not just, um, it, it was quite consistent, so that was the most impressive part was the consistency, which last year they found really hard to do. It was a lot of, they play a really great quarter and they'll kick six or seven goals and blow teams off the park, but then their next two might be awful and they'll let a string of seven straight goals through. And that was killing them. So for them to start to wipe that inconsistency this year and actually start to dominate full games or three quarters of games or when it was only maybe a half of football, the other half was still really good pressure and defence and, and they were able to just hold up the time and sort of milk it out while they weren't playing great and they didn't have possession. That was a that was a really big improvement for Adelaide. So that's why they became one of the best defensive teams in the comp, or at least they were for a while, and then they sort of tripped down the ladder uh, in that respect. But also, they stayed the number one scoring team in the entire league, which I think blew everyone off the park. They knew Matty Nix had a, a pressure sort of game about him, and it was a scrap and fight, and it was very ugly. But as soon as they got the forward mix going and they started to get that efficiency going forward too and they added some class with Rankin and Rochelle started to find his feet early in the year and we saw Fogarty and Tech start to really work out how to play together. That sort of stuff came to life and that was, the I think, the jump in expectation. So from, from, I suppose, where we started the year, it was probably around where they finished. But I guess midway through the year, once they started getting into the finals picture, people started to raise the expectation just a tad and go, well... We know it's possible now. We know how well they can play. But when they did drop down to 10th, I think we had to temper. And, and the, thankfully, the last six rounds, we had a bit of time there to sort of go, well, look, they've got to win the last five games straight to make finals. So we had a bit of time to let us down, let ourselves down easy a bit um, when it came to, well, if they don't make finals, it's OK. 
they had to do a lot more earlier in the year to make sure of it. So they, they it's changed a lot. Let's say that in the last 12 months, a lot more than we, we did expect from ground one. And the resurgence of Taylor Walker, what he did, and whether he's able to match that again next year because the, the, the form of a key forward like that, it's made a hell of a difference. Well, that's another question we're asking is how long can that last? So all great and well for him to do it this year, which I think everyone is super impressed with. It's career best year, 76 goals, but can he do it again next year? He's going to be 34. Like that's a, that's a big question mark, and you don't want to have to rely on someone who's that age. There's every good chance that he would go on and do it again and he can go and kick 50 plus for the season that would be outstanding but you gotta remember he had bags of 10 and 9 and and 7 and things against teams where it was just a it was hu- superhuman for someone his age and so great reward for him to get the all-australian uh blazer eventually and i think it was it was uh just a little bit of bad luck he couldn't quite creep across the line with a coleman as well but Goodness me, if, if the Crows can, can harness that again next year, that'll help them big time to try and push for finals once more. But then they've got to make sure that they're not prohibiting Darcy Fogarty and the, and the Riley Thilthorpes of the world, who have got to be the next crop through in that full forward position to blossom as well and develop into that role. Um, because really, Tex has been there the entire time and made it really hard for, for people like Darcy Fogarty in particular to really develop that game as the sole key forward. So... It'll be an interesting one to see how he goes next year. And if he doesn't perform all that well, what they do with Taylor to try and manage him and allow for Darcy to continue to develop. It'll be a good conversation piece next year. It will be, no doubt. I'll tell you what a conversation piece was this year, um, Matt Crouch, and whether he would stay at the club. Mm. It seemed like for most of the year he was destined to leave. He's played a lot of sandful in the last couple of seasons, but such was his finish to the year. He's staying put. He signed a two-year extension, and I think that would have had long odds at the start of this year. Uh, that surprised me. I don't know about you guys. It surprised me yesterday when I heard that he signed a two-year extension with the Crows. Uh, I didn't think he would. I thought Sydney had a little offer in front of him. That maybe that would be incentivising, considering there's maybe some midfield positions up for grabs there. And he really showed his worth in the last six weeks playing out uh, in the league side. Um, and really dominating. Jeez, he was second in the showdown medal. I remember that night pretty clearly. And uh, he was almost uh, right up the front to take it. So it was just a, quite a, an amazing resurgence from 18 months, essentially, in the wilderness, playing in the sandfall and, and being left to um, left to pasture, I suppose, at the Adelaide Football Club. But once Rory Laird was injured late in the season, he was gifted an opportunity and he was ready. And what I liked the most about Matt Crouch was he really improved his game. He was told that he had to go back to the sandfall because he wasn't impacting games enough. He was just a quick little handballer in and out of passages and, and didn't really get much out of the game and, and didn't impact the, the opposition. Well, now we can, and we've seen how hard he's worked on it and how much of a, a better player he is because of it. So the Crows have done probably the right thing in trying to retain him. I didn't think he'd be interested. Uh, seems he has, and he's negotiated something out of what was a one-year offer in front of him to two. Um, which is excellent. Um, he is 28, so it's likely that he'll probably end up staying there for the rest of his career, but um, we'll see how that plays out in the future. But, yeah, and, and, and what I also learned yesterday was he won't make himself available to play the Sandful finals, even though he's eligible. So the Crows currently in a semi-final against Glenelg this weekend. Matt Crouch won't feature for the rest of the season. Gee, that's a loss for the Crows' reserves in the SANFL, and I, I see uh, their, their captain has been suspended as well. Uh, so that's uh, a blow too. Uh, for mm. Adelaide in the SNFL. The Power, now they're preparing for a trip to Brisbane, and we hear that there's an Oppenheimer theme at Alberton at the moment. <laughs> I must say, I found that a little puzzling when I started reading some of those quotes yesterday. What do you make of that theme, Sam? Yeah, it, 
we uh, we discussed that late last night when we found out about that too. And uh, I asked uh, the guys, what did you think? What do you think an Oppenheimer theme for a footy team means? Uh, and, and Timmy Ginevers said, oh, I think it's uh, it'll come with uh, enormous explosion and, 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 ex- uh, and all that sort of stuff. And, and Rowie was sort of on along the lines of, I think it's a meticulous work and there's lots of people working together in, uh, in, in, in-house and keeping it all together and not letting anyone know about the plans. So they all had very different opinions on what they thought it was. I just sort of look at it and go, I don't really know whether you need a theme or not for finals football. I thought finals was enough motivation, but nonetheless, they seem to have some sort of little uh, theme inside the four walls that's going to help motivate them and get them focused for the game. Um, what are your thoughts? I'm not, I'm not entirely sold by it myself or whether it's really necessary. It's an interesting one, isn't it? But I suppose you're looking for every little uh, advantage you can possibly get. Maybe it's to do with the demise of all the other teams and how they're going to mm. you know, destroy them. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, I'm sure they've, uh, they've thought about it. But um, the, the, the thing I was going to ask you, Sam, that... The week off, good or bad for Port Adelaide? Oh, yeah, it's a classic old question. We've been asking for six years now, isn't it? Um, I, I don't know if it's going to be a great uh, leg up for any team in particular. Maybe it helps Port Adelaide because they've managed to get some injured players back. Um, that's probably the main uh, advantage they'll get from it. So Trent McKenzie will come back with his knee this weekend, which is really good. He's had that PCL for the last uh, four or five weeks. Um, we won't see Charlie Dixon back. Uh, we won't see Dante Vizantini, uh, but they won't need him because Scott Lysette is uh, pretty much ready to return. Um, he played the last two sample games for the power. Uh, and Todd Marshall's going to come back in the side too. Not that he was really injured. He was uh, just out of the side for the last week with a little bit of soreness, but he was uh, he was mainly okay. They just want to rest him up. So those, those are advantages for Port Adelaide. Um, Brisbane, I'm not sure if they needed the week off either, but uh, I suppose it's for like every team. You all had to week, work and... Uh, wait an extra week rather um, and then if you win especially if one of the top four teams you've got to wait another week so that just holds the momentum up mm. a lot and that's been the argument forever is is the pre-finals by necessary because it just disadvantages the top four um, and the two that win so yeah we'll, we'll see whether it really does hinder or not Port Adelaide have done it before um, with the 2020 and 2021 seasons winning the qualifier with that pre-finals by and then going through to a preliminary final albeit the preliminary final hasn't gone well for them both times either. So, yeah, we'll see how it goes for them this time around. Is Dixon an automatic uh, selection when he's right? And, and I suppose he, at the moment he's looking at whether he's going to be there next year. Are you asking me or Ken Hinckley? Because I think if you're asking <laughs> Ken Hinckley, it's a yes. If you're asking me and maybe other Port Adelaide people, I wouldn't be so quick to jump at yes. Um, I, I feel like his strength isn't in the full forward position. I feel like his best strength actually can be in the ruck. And I've felt that for a while now when we've seen uh, Port Adelaide go in with that sort of no ruck option or no first ruck, clear ruck option. And they've used Finlayson and Dixon and a few others just to sort of fill the void. It's worked out quite well. And we've seen how good Charlie can be at just getting in, muscling in and, and getting his, uh, his teammates the footy from the ruck. So I quite like him there. I feel like when he's in the... In the forward line, he really is just a dump kick option for most of the midfielders who are under pressure or maybe a bit lazy with the kick and don't look for other options. And he just sort of stands there, brings it to ground, doesn't mark it a whole lot. Um, it's just not its not an efficient option for them going forward. Whereas we've seen when he's not there or they've had to use different um, options forward, they tend to lower their eyes. They're a little bit more steady with their kick inside 50 and they tend to spot up players 
uh, and set shot a lot better or they find different spaces on the ground and that is such a, a, a dynamic weapon that the Port Adelaide Footy Club have been able to develop over this last 18 months while they've learnt how to play without a sole ruck and without Charlie Dixon and I think that's such a that's a crucial learning for them that once upon a time all they ever knew was kick it to Charlie and it never really worked for them all that much so I think if, if you want to bring him straight back in I wouldn't be doing it, but I suppose he is a still a pretty key figure, and if you can find a way to put him into the team, most of the time we'll be better off with him. Uh, you just got to use him right. Sam Tugwell, the voice you're hearing, 5AA uh, in Adelaide, sports broadcaster, producer. We're chatting uh, the finals for Port Adelaide and Charlie Dixon, who won't be available for the trip to Brisbane for the qualifying final. We think back to the early 2000s. The, it was a great matchup then. It's a great matchup mm. now. You think of the midfields, and Zach Butters has just won a plethora of individual awards in the last week. Uh, Connor Rosie, Jason Horn Francis, and we, we shouldn't forget Ollie Wines, who's a Brownlow medalist. Only a couple of years ago, you got Lockie Neal, a Brownlow medalist in Brisbane's midfield, McCluggage, Berry, so many stars in there. Uh, that's really going to determine the game, isn't it? The, the battle in the middle. I work with Scotty Camperiali, and all he ever says is the best midfield wins. And that is such a great sentiment heading into this game because both midfields, and just about any finals game really, but these two midfields are absolutely red hot. So I can't wait to see how the the matchups will go, um, especially knowing what Port Adelaide have got. And, and consider this, right? In maybe a couple of months' time, we might be seeing Port Adelaide line up in the midfield with Brody Grundy tapping down to Connor Rosie, Zach Butters, and Jason Horn Francis. Now that's a that's a threatening looking midfield, which uh, Ken Hinckley could have at his arsenal at some point soon. But heading into this one, we just know how good the kids have been. They've they've been given the responsibility this year, and they've seemed to have thrived with it. Um, told to take the lead of this team, take charge, and and be the, be the ones who uh, stand up the most. And, and they look the biggest on the field now. That's that's what I suppose that responsibility is done. And for, for Rosie and Butters in particular, I think they're going to poll nicely in the Brownlow this year. They've just been noticed in every single game, uh, which has been such a, an important thing for Port Adelaide. They can get around the ground. They cover it well. They, they kick and handball well. They, they win their own footy. Uh, they just do all the right things. Uh, and they read off ruck hands as well, really well. So, And then the pressure on the other side too when they need to defensively. Um, and, hey, look, Lockie Neal's just as good at the, as that uh, on the other side as well. Uh, with uh, It's a missing for Ashcroft. That's a huge loss, I think, for the Lions. That's, uh, that's going to hurt them. But nonetheless, they've got plenty of other soldiers ready to stand up as you listed. So this is going to be good fun on Saturday night. It will be. And the, the prize is a home preliminary final for the winner. And for two interstate clubs, mm. that's probably a bigger advantage than it is for a Melbourne or a Collingwood with a few other Victorian clubs still in the draw. Uh, Port Adelaide have lost two home preliminary finals in the last few years. Do you think this year they, they probably come in as the third or four, even fourth seed? A lot of teams, uh, or a lot of pundits probably have them fourth behind Melbourne, mm. uh, Brisbane and Collingwood as uh, premiership favourites. Do you think the underdog tag might almost suit them, the fact that they're not expected this, this season, perhaps outside of Adelaide, to, to win it? Well, you, you bring that point up brilliantly because that is such an integral point in this final series, I think, because I was speaking to Tim Ginevere yesterday, who is a, a port person. He's won seven flags in the sample, so he knows how to win and he expects to win. And that's, that can be the Achilles heel of port fans, I think, a lot, is this whole expectation to win. We exist to win premierships and, you know, you can love it or hate that as much as you like, but it's a standard they have. And I think going into those final series and having those home prelims, there's that huge expectation that they are the ones who need to win and they need to be the ones who, I suppose, uh, they, they dominate when they're in the top two. They're expected to do it. But now they're not. And that, as you point out, is such a huge thing because what we know about Port Adelaide is forever 
they play best when their backs are against the wall, when no one expects them to do well, when they are the underdog. That is the pure quintessential Port Adelaide fight and dog that they have in them, and they always have. And I think that is such a, a brilliant opportunity for them now to take forward into this final series. They're not expected to win against Brisbane at the Gabba. Maybe they're not expected to win the prelim because they've lost two in a row at home. Those are the things. Maybe Ken Hinckley went in round three when his job was being talked about being untenable. Maybe that's what the team needed to fight for him for the next 13 games, and they won all 13. That's the sort of dog that they have in them. And they, when they are backs against the wall, they can fight beyond belief. And they, that club's got a heritage of it. And so they're on brand heading into the first week, and they can for the next couple if they want to. Um, so this is this is going to be a really great opportunity for them. It's the third time in the finals uh, inside the top four for Ken Hinckley's men. They've got to get it done this time. They do. And let's see how they go over the next month. It promises to be a great September. Sam, thanks for your time. Greatly appreciate it. Uh, good luck to the power, and uh, stay well over there in the City of Churches. Thank you, guys, and uh, and do well with the internet there. Hopefully it holds oh, up. Yeah, well, that's another story altogether. Thanks, Sam. Sam Tugwell joining us from 5AA in Adelaide.